You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, serving you up quick-hitting news and analysis for Green Bay Packers fans. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers, because we're all here for one thing, and that's love for Green Bay football. Gil, this week... Fresh on the heels of a crushing overtime loss to the Colts. Happy Thanksgiving to you. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing all right, and happy Thanksgiving to you and to all of our listeners out there. Tough loss last week in Indianapolis. When you're up two touchdowns at halftime, you really want to finish the deal. But, you know, unfortunately, the offense was invisible for about a quarter and a half, maybe a little bit longer than that, third and most of the fourth quarter. And then the defense kept giving up these drives that really hurt too many turnovers. You end up losing in overtime, 34-31 in a game that, you know, the players seem a lot less upset than the fans after that one. Well, and let's not forget special teams as well. Absolute disaster there that kept putting both our offense and defense in really tough situations to work from. It's hard to look at this game as anything other than having been lost by all three phases of the team. And at the same time, they were so close that I think any one of those phases could have stepped up and sealed the game for us. And nobody was able to. I mean, the defense, honestly, I think put forth the most valiant effort in the second half of trying to keep this a manageable game and and credit to them for how long they were on the field in really rough yardage situations yeah they gave up a lot of plays that they really shouldn't have and ultimately did allow the Colts to you know pull back ahead still they, they weren't getting any help from offense or special teams no doubt and and I think the statistic that bodes well for the defense the Packers turned the ball over four times in that game and it led to only six points for the Colts. At halftime, everybody's feeling good. And then, you know, the offense disappeared. And and part of it was that two, three and outs to start the half. They couldn't run the football. They couldn't throw the football. It, 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 they went from moving the ball so efficiently in the first half to not moving the ball at all. And they don't score until that really big drive in the closing seconds that tied it up with the field goal. The thing that bothered me is just adjustments. They, it seems like the Colts in the second half, their coaching staff adjusted quicker than the Packers and then you know executed better than the Packers as well. Well, here's a stat for you regarding adjustments. The Colts in the last two weeks versus the Titans and Packers have outscored their opponents by, I believe, 41-3 to in the the second half of those last two games. They do an excellent job adjusting at halftime. And last week I was expressing a lot of concern to you, dominant interior pass rush, and they have rangy uh, athletic linebackers, sideline to sideline linebackers that were really killing our ability to get any sort of outside run going. The Packers had an answer for that in the first half. (laughs) And then in the second half, the Colts adjusted. And the Packers were unable to adjust back. And that, I think, was part of the 
uh, frustration that it took so long for the team to figure out an answer to that. But time to bounce back. The Bears are coming to town, and it doesn't get too much better than Packers-Bears. And things are looking better for the team, especially when you look at the defense, when you look at some of the better consistency we've been seeing on offense. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers certainly thought so. Today actually gave me a lot of uh, a lot of confidence in our guys. And I know that might sound weird, and we lost, and we turned them all over four times, but there was a different type of energy this week of practice. I thought it carried over to today. I felt like this was the first week all season we practiced like a great team um, and not just kind of a good team. Figured the performance would be really solid based on that, and that's how it goes sometimes. You know, the mistakes uh, can happen regardless of how you practice, but I was encouraged by um, the focus that we had, I was encouraged by the defense and the confidence uh, that they were brimming with. Um, you know, I just think we need to we need to be a, all three phases football team to go as far as we want to go. I still feel really good about our, our, our chances, our squad. This would be an important week and give us a chance to really put some cushion between uh, us and the rest of the division with a win. A lot of similarity here to the run the table comment. What you have to remember about run the table was Rogers was not trying to create something with his words, which is a big part of why you didn't hear anything like that in the 2018 season when things were kind of seen to be falling apart and a lot of fans were begging him to <laughs> come up with some you know cool comment to to get everybody going. He's not trying to create something. He's commenting on what he's seeing. Whether you agree with him or not, Rodgers is really encouraged by the direction that this team has been going. He's uh, encouraged by the consistency on both sides of the ball and by the development of of a lot of the players uh, who are really making some contributions. Yeah, and, and that's a good thing. And, you know, Rodgers does seem to have a sort of sense as to what the pulse is in the locker room. And it's encouraging. He, he hasn't been wrong too often. Uh, and, you know, as you mentioned, 2018, which was a really rough season, he didn't have any answers that he was you know, not going to put forth that public proclamation. The fact that he's willing to stand up and do that now has got to be encouraging for Packer fans. And and, you know, the other the other issue, unfortunately, that really got out of hand after that Colts game was uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. And, and, you know, he fumbled in overtime, came up with some big plays before that that helped force overtime and helped the Packers take the initial lead in the first half. But, uh, you know, when he revealed that he actually got some death threats after the fumble in overtime that led directly to the winning field goal, uh, I, you really have to take a step back because that is way out of bounds. Well, from all of us here at No Huddle and Packers Talk, we just want to um, extend our support to – MVS and just say, look, life is a lot bigger than football, and uh, we're deeply sorry that you had to go through that. And it's really encouraging to see the way that uh, MVS's teammates have had his back uh, this week, you know, following the loss, including uh, Coach LaFleur. Well, we have some breaking news here. The Packers just added a player as you and I were recording, uh, defensive tackle slash end Anthony Rush, just waved by the Bears, and the Packers picked him up. Now, we know that uh, the Packers have been wanting to make an addition at the defensive line. I guess they tried to sign Snacks Harrison off of the uh, Seahawks practice squad, which is a little bit interesting. <laughs> We're unsuccessful at that. Yeah, and then you also have the situation where you're signing a guy from the team you're playing, and he certainly can provide some insights 
into the, the Bears playbook coming up for this week, and that's always a plus. And that is probably a, a big part of why they did go ahead and sign him. Kind of bouncing around a little bit. He's been with the Seahawks. Not a lot of production. This year, at least, he had one solo tackle, four assists. I'll yeah, not not a lot of production from him. But look, again, the bear is very deep along that defensive line. So it's tough to get reps when, when you know, you're playing on a team that has that much talent at the position. Got to bring in some people and see what they can do and uh, hopefully show some improvement along that defensive line, especially against the run. It's something that's been hurting this team throughout the season. Well, let's keep talking about the Bears here because, man, talk about uh, a tale of two halves looking at their season. <laughs> they started off the season five and one, and now they're five and five. I've been listening to a lot of Bears podcasts over the last few weeks. This is a depressed fan base. They are actually rooting for the Bears to tank, a lot of them. Definitely quarterback play has been suspect. Uh, the The move to Nick Foles was not the saving grace that fans really hoped it would be. And I, and I think the production they got out of him immediately, you know, and there was this instant upgrade. And then since then it's been sliding a lot. Well, a simple answer for that is that teams have uh, more tape on, on him and, and what he's doing. And in the beginning, they certainly, at least with the Falcons game, how do, how do you uh, play against a guy that you have not scouted and, and haven't been prepared to play against? You know, the Bears don't have that advantage of surprise anymore. Now that other teams have some tape on who does he like to go to, because always the goal of the defense, first and foremost, is take away the strengths and and force second choices, find other ways to get production. With Foles, a lot of his production early on came from the tight ends. So defenses since then have been really working hard to limit tight ends from the offensive production. Foles has not been able to get a lot going uh, in other areas, unfortunately. Yeah, no, Foles has not been consistent enough. And you look at the production, you know, through 10 games, the Bears in 2020, where the offense is up all across the league, in six of their 10 games, they've scored 20 or fewer points. And when you add the fact that their defense is that good and often you know, gets you the three and outs and gets you plus field position. The failure of this offense is glaring. The Bears have the second worst offense in the league. They are ahead of only the Jets. And the Bears also might be without Nick Foles uh, this week. They worked out a few quarterbacks, one of whom was Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely starting to look likely that Mitch Trubisky is going to start versus the Packers. If nothing else, the Packers have to spend extra time preparing for both quarterbacks. But let me tell you, Gil, one thing we learned in all of this experiment with Nick Foles is that the quarterback play was not the problem with the Bears offense, which a lot of us really thought that was the that was the issue. It's not. It's it's you're seeing a lot of the exact same issues with Foles under center that we saw for the last few years with Trubisky. Yeah, it, it, it seems to be systemic. Their their offensive line needs some work. And look, right now, they're dead last in the NFL in rushing yards per game. 78.2 rushing yards per game. They may have uh, David Montgomery returning uh, to the lineup, which would certainly help them. Uh, but look, when, you, when you're relying on Cordell Patterson, 
who is really a converted receiver slash return specialist to carry the load as your running back, you know you're in trouble. And he's averaging 2.9 yards per rush, and that says a lot. There are certainly some things to be concerned about in this matchup. I want to look at uh, Khalil Mack here uh, <laughs> because we don't have Brian Balaga anymore. Uh, Billy Turner is our starting right tackle, and a lot of Packers fans have been very happy with how he was able to step up and play left tackle in Bakhtiari's absence. But I'd like to point out the Packers not have not really gone up against any dominant edge rushers. Uh, we had last week we had uh, you know DeForest Buckner attacking from the interior, and he's certainly very good and gave the Packers a lot of trouble last week, gave him a lot of trouble twice last year when he was a 49er. Billy Turner, uh, he has allowed sacks to guys you haven't really heard of. I'm <laughs> concerned about him lining up against Khalil Mack. I appreciate what he has been able to do, but he also just has not had a lot of stiff competition. Yeah, no no question. Turner will probably get some help. I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more Mercedes Lewis lining up sometimes on that side of the field uh, or have Jamal Williams do a little chip blocking. I, I, I think that uh, the Packers have to prepare for what Khalil Mack brings to the table. Six and a half sacks so far in 10 games and, and by far the the leader when it comes to pressuring the quarterback on the bears. And then, you know, so many other talented players on this defense, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, uh, Kyle Fuller, Akeem Hicks. There is a lot of talent on this Chicago defense. And just like the Packers had a very big challenge facing the Colts last week and still put up 31 points, they're going to need to find a way to move the ball down the field against the bears. An underrated part of the Bears' defense is their cornerbacks, uh, Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson, one of the, if not the, best cornerback duo in the league. Jalen Johnson has been shockingly good, you know, especially for, for how young and inexperienced he is. Well, you look at the statistic that jumps out for me when I look at Jalen Johnson, 13 passes broken up uh, over the course of 10 games. Uh, you know, just an impressive number and he's grading out well also uh you know uh, the thing that he actually uh he can also blitz which is which is another thing that the Packers have to be aware of and his run defense is okay but I think that you want to match up more on Jalen Johnson than Kyle Fuller so you want to try to get that match up and maybe just maybe uh, you get a situation where the Packers can take advantage of Alan Lazard's size uh, against Jalen Johnson and, and trying to get that matchup because I think they'll go fuller on Devontae Adams. Fuller will definitely spend a lot of time on Devontae over the course of the day. Uh, it is worth noting, so these these corners, they are a similar height and, and both quite a bit shorter than Alan Lazard. Jalen is... Um, a little bit taller at 6'0". Kyle Fuller is 5'11". Lazard has a good 7 inches on either of these guys. Also wondering if this is another opportunity for uh, MVS to uh, kind of kind of break out again here. Well, not break out. He's He's been playing well. He didn't, let, let's ignore the fumble. Right, right. As a, as a receiver, he's he's been doing a great job. That's, that is a play that you can set up 
throughout the course of the game and get him open for some big chunk plays. And I think you do need to do that against this Bears D. Yeah, I, I think so too. And the other area that I think that they can exploit on the Bears D, their safeties are not as good in pass coverage. They're pretty good coming up to stop the run, but in pass coverage, they struggle a little bit more. Get your Robert Tunyons and your Jay Sternbergers and maybe uh, your your running backs in Aaron Jones and uh, Jamal Williams. Get them involved in the passing game, and I think you can keep the chains moving that way. Let's look at the injury report, and I'm actually going to touch on the Bears first. Here's some really good news for the Packers. Right tackle Rashad Coward, full participation in practice. That is absolutely what we want. We want to play against Rashad Coward all day long. This guy is <laughs> terrible. It, they've got to take advantage of that. No question about it. Nick Foles did not participate. His hip is really bothering him. Jimmy Graham, veteran rest. You know, maybe a bit of a revenge game. I know he was pretty salty that the Packers did not bring him back. He had some mm, not the nicest, nicest comments uh, on his way out the door. Right. Akeem Hicks did not participate. He has a hamstring injury. Mitchell Trubisky, however, he's been dealing with a shoulder injury still. And interestingly, he has had a shoulder injury basically every year of his career. Has that been an impact on him uh, and and his ability to throw? Because it seems that he does have a, a pretty hot start to all of his seasons. And then it's you know the second half of the season that it gives him his reputation. The, the biggest difference to me between Trubisky and Foles is the mobility of Mitch Trubisky. That adds another element that the Packers have to worry about. And I think Foles is a little bit more consistent than Trubisky. But I think regardless of who the Packers are facing, they should not allow either one of these quarterbacks to pick them apart. The Packers also, by the way, uh, made two moves on Wednesday, placing Two players on the injured reserve, Montrevious Adams and James Burgess. So they are not available this week and for the next minimum of three games moving forward. Wow. And that's a, a pretty big loss uh, for Montrevious here because although coming into the season, I was really ready to throw the towel in on him and I didn't think that he was going to make any impact because he's been terrible. That changed this year. He's been one of our more consistent and dependable defenders along the line. So um, definitely uh, would be nice to get him back for the playoffs. Yeah, he had been showing some flashes and it was encouraging to see that. But uh, this injury obviously going to sideline him for at least half of the remaining six games. And, and we'll see whether or not he is able to return uh, in time for the playoffs. But uh and I think that ties in with the defensive line signing that, that you had mentioned previously. Injuries are up across the league, and how teams deal with that is is a key uh, in this time with more players on the practice squad. You can call them up more easily, take more players off IR more easily. It's a strange year. It's a strange year all the way around. One final name that is kind of concerning here. Punter J.K. Scott, uh, limited in practice. He has two injuries listed, his back and his right quad. Right quad, very, very important if you're a punter. Hmm. <laughs> J.K. Scott had a bad week. He clearly had some personal stuff going on. We don't really know what, but he did not fly out to Indy with the team. He had to later take a, a, a private flight 
and meet up with them after the fact. And they had to sign backup punter Drew Kayser for the game who ended up not playing and JK was able to play. But man, special teams has been a major concern. You and I were bemoaning before we started recording about the disastrous special teams play. Blocking has been poor. Punting has not been awesome. But the return game has been a major concern. Something I've been harping on ever since Tampa when we lost Tyler Irvin. And you remember I said in this podcast, whenever teams realize we have no ability to return at all, they're going to stop taking the touchbacks and try and pin us inside the 10, inside the 5 every time. Wow. The Colts finally were the ones who noticed we couldn't do returns. And they took advantage of it. They kept kicking off to, like, the 1 or 2-yard line, and, you know, Darius Shepard kept fielding all of those kicks, and the result was... he fumbled. Yeah, one of them he fumbled. He fielded all of them, ran them back to, like, the 18, 19-yard line, and we started with poor field position most of the game. And when you're going up against a team with a, a good defense like the Colts or like the Bears, you got to at least have decent field position to make things easier for your offense. We didn't do that at all uh, as a result of special teams anyway against the uh, against the Colts. Well, what can we do to improve special teams? Because it seems pretty clear uh, Darius Shepard is not the answer. And we all thought that last year. In fact, he got cut from the team for his poor play. And then they brought him back somehow, mysteriously. Uh, Gotta imagine that he has an incriminating photo of uh, Matt LaFleur or somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Only possible explanation. But you and I both, you know, when they brought him back this year and LaFleur was talking him up in, in, in training camp and talking about how much he had really improved and how hard he'd been working. We both said, all right, fine, let's let bygones be bygones. We'll forget 2019. Blank slate, forgive the guy, and let's see what we can do this year. The most memorable, most incredible play he's made in two years now has been when he caught a pass and then fell one yard short of the goal line in two (laughs) years. I am ready to get him out of here. I think you I think you agree with me. So we're going to look at the return game and assuming Tyler Irvin can't come back, at least not anytime soon, because he's still dealing with his wrist injury. And now he's hurt his ribs as well. Barely practiced for the last couple of months, barely been on the field at all. And when he is on, he does not look like himself. Who is the answer at returns? You know, I I don't see an answer on this roster. I think they have to go out and sign a free agent, even a street free agent, uh, with a little bit of return experience, even if they serve no other role than to run back punts and kicks. Look, Tyler Irvin was a big difference maker for the last four games of the regular season and into the playoffs. He's not healthy now. And to me, you know, Darius Shepard, Uh, And Josh Jackson, at best, they're going to fair catch the ball, but they're not really capable of breaking any long returns, and they're just inconsistent. So I I would go outside the organization and find somebody. It's hard to argue with that because of how well the Tyler Irvin signing worked out. That having been said, kind of hard to get lucky again. They, They tried a couple times last year to sign somebody, you know, from outside and bring them in. They brought in uh, Traymond Smith from 
I believe it was the Chiefs. Yes. And that was worse than uh, Shepard. I mean, my goodness, I, I it got to the point where I quit looking at the TV <laughs> when, <laughs> whenever it was time for punts. I didn't want to see. I just I couldn't look at it. I do have a couple guys on our roster that I'm interested in looking at. One of them would be a name that y'all probably don't really want to hear. That would be Jamal Williams. This is a really trusted guy. And I know a lot of fans kind of cringe at the idea of taking a starter and putting him out there where he could potentially get hurt, miss some time. We haven't seen that a lot, though. And I think with the state of special teams and how vital it is to give your offense a good starting field position, I'd like to see more talent invested here rather than just some random guy off the street who may or may not pan out. I wouldn't be opposed to putting Jamal on there. The other guy would be Equinemius. He's barely contributing on offense right now. I think when you're playing to, to such a rusty degree here, you do have to kind of earn your way back up through special teams. Equinemius is one of the faster guys on our team. He's also big. One of the tallest players on the team. I think he's six foot seven and runs a four four eight. This is a guy who is not going to just go down at first contact, which we are seeing from Darius. Goes down at first contact, and you're lucky if he doesn't fumble. EQ, I think, is built differently. He might be able to keep going, take a guy with him, fight for a few extra yards. And let me tell you, if we are putting forth some decent production there on special teams again, you have a guy like Jamal, you have a guy like EQ out there for a little bit, I think teams really quickly are going to abandon the idea of Man, uh, special teams is such a weakness for the Packers. This is an awesome opportunity for us to really hit them where they're weak and go back to what we saw for a bunch of weeks post losing Tyler Irvin, where we were still safe because teams would kick the touchback as often as possible and we could get away with some fair catches and stuff. And you can put a more expendable guy out there on the field like a Kadar Holman or uh, running back uh, Mike Weber, who's on the practice squad, somebody like that at that point, take away the danger of injury loss on offense? Well, I, I understand your argument, but I, I still think that the Packers are probably better off going outside the organization, and uh, we're going to leave this debate up to our loyal listeners. So, fans, if you would like to weigh in on the conversation, and we certainly hope that you will, head on over to Twitter. You can check us out at Gil Packers or at JJ Leahy. That's L-A-H-E-Y. We're going to pin a poll to the top of our Twitter pages. Please vote. Uh, Gil and I do take this pretty seriously. We uh, definitely, whoever is in the lead, and it has been Gil for a while, uh, does like to gloat. <laughs> and uh, let me let me tell you, I, I really badly need a win here. I got to catch up to Gil. So please vote for me. Don't or... let him catch up. Don't let him <laughs> catch up. Vote in general. And I uh, would love to get your opinion. Uh, it's always fun hearing from fans. So that does it for today. Really hoping that uh, we can put together an awesome performance against the Bears, knock out a longtime rival, our oldest, most important rival, and send them packing. Give me your score prediction. Who wins this game? I think the Packers bounce back. You know, we talked about Aaron Rodgers having the pulse of this team. He remains overwhelmingly confident that they are going to be just fine. I, I think the Bears' offense is too compromised. Packers 31, Bears 17. Mm, I like it. I will say I had concerns the last few weeks. Not this week. 
I feel very confident the Packers are going to wrap this one up. I don't think they're going to let their foot up off the gas because this is a hated rival. And look, the Bears have really struggled to put up points. I think even if you bring Trubisky back this week, I don't see them doing a lot. I think they could maybe get to 20 points if Trubisky is the starter. That's that's real iffy. I'm going to go ahead and say Bears 17. I think the Packers, just due to the flow of the game, I think they're going to put up 27 and call it a day. I like it, and it looks like we're more or less on the same page on this one. That does it for us today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.